Our reading tonight is from Hosea, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the junior year, uh, in my junior year of high school, I came home to find this book laying on my bed. You see, my mom was a preschool teacher, and it wasn't the first time that she used a children's book to speak something important to me. In fact, I had been hearing important lessons from children's books my whole life. But this was different. In the year that preceded this book being left on my bed, our family had endured the loss of my mom's best friend to breast cancer, a house fire that gutted our house and left us with very few possessions, and a knee surgery that had a really difficult recovery for my mom. I've always kept this book with me at every stage of life since then, and I return to it often. The book is called God Believes in You by Holly Bia, and it has an important connection to our reading today. Today's text brings us into a divine metaphor. God as parent and Israel as child, God's beloved child. The poet brings us deeply into this metaphor, not just by saying that God is like a parent, 
But by actually illustrating this metaphor using I and me to talk about God. And this metaphor is important for so many reasons. One such reason is because this metaphor mirrors one of the primary relationships in our human existence, the relationship we have with our parents or parent-like figures and or our children. These, among other primary relationships in our life, have the most potential for joy and pain. And they're also the ones that trigger our stuff. The tricky stuff, the difficult stuff, the hard stuff. At their best, these primary relationships can be the ones that bolster us for a life of resilience, hope, and love. And at their worst, these primary relationships can break us down and set us up for a life of hardship. So how do you enter the text today? Where did you hear resonance of your own primary human relationships? Maybe you've seen a child turn from a parent when they needed them the most. Maybe you've been that child. Maybe you've noticed frustration or distance from parents when their child was not living the life that they wanted for their child. And maybe you've experienced seeing what it's like for a child to be fully seen by their parent, called by name, picked up, wrapped in cords of kindness and bands of love, healed. And in some ways, it would be easy to stay with this metaphor and just connect it to our human relationships. But if it did, I would imagine that it might actually stop at the end of verse 7. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. Because to me, this verse represents where we get stuck as humans. We get stuck when our relationships get stuck. When something doesn't work out the way we wanted, when someone said or did something they shouldn't have, when some person in these primary relationships just pushed our buttons one too many times. And as the holiday season fast approaches, I can imagine at least some of you may be on high alert for these stuck places to occur. Of course, there's excitement that comes from tradition. Free, unstructured time may be away from your regular days. But there's also the sharing of family news and just plain being around the people who bring out, well, all of you. <laughs> We get stuck. But the good news for us today is that our compassionate God does not. Instead, we're invited into a place we may or may not be familiar with. It's a place where we pause, 
take a step back and ask questions of our relationships. God, in all of God's anger over Israel, stops, takes a step back, and asks four questions. How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I make you? How can I treat you? The answer that God gets from this moment makes God's heart recoil within God's self, ultimately bringing compassion that grows warm and tender. Asking questions of our primary relationships help to break us open. They help us bring something else to our limited, perhaps emotionally clouded worldview. Questions are healing. They release something. They help us to understand that we aren't holding something big all by ourselves. And most importantly, questions can help produce movement in places where we otherwise might have been stuck. And sometimes asking those questions can help us understand that while there very well might be something going on with the other person, there might also be something going on with me. All of these questions create something really important. Space. Space is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Space is where the Holy Spirit can move and breathe. And this is where our own hearts can recoil within themselves too. It's where our compassion can also grow warm and tender. When we pause long enough to let the Holy Spirit into the space of these primary relationships or any place in our lives where we need to pause and step back, we can transcend the limits of our own humanity and tap into God's resources of eternal, unconditional, and everlasting love, forgiveness, and grace. Our primary relationships are difficult. They're complex, and sometimes they're just plain hard. Most of the time, we don't have what we need to make the space for the Holy Spirit to come. There might be too much baggage, too much history, too much generational trauma, too much grief, any number of things, and some of our relationships will remain stuck. Some of them will move or heal, maybe not as much as we'd like. Some of them may fall away altogether. Yet what is abundantly clear in this passage with this metaphor is that that's not the kind of relationship we have with God. Because God does not rely on us in order to be compassionate. Even in turning away, walking away, we cannot drive God away from us. God is not bound by the limits of human emotion. Instead, God chooses again and again 
to enter into the very vulnerable state of human emotion with us. That is true of this passage, where God's anger is an entry point for compassion for all of us. God says in Hosea, I will not come in wrath. God promised that God would not act out of this anger. And God does not. Not in this passage, and not in the great story of the New Testament either. Instead, God chooses to embody vulnerability by entering the world as a child. In the Word incarnate, God enters the world's suffering and suffers with us. God raises Jesus and all of creation to new life. There's only one relationship that can do that. There's only one relationship that can ultimately give us new life. And today's reading is a reminder of that invitation from God into that relationship, the one that is not confined by human limits. God chooses compassion for you. Even in your worst moments as a human being, God chooses mercy for you. Even when you don't think you deserve it, God chooses grace for you, even when you don't feel it. God loves you so unconditionally and so abundantly. And we can see, taste, touch, smell, and hear this in the waters of baptism, in the bread, in the wine, at the table, and in the word. God believes in our capacity to bear this image of unconditional and abundant love in the world. God believes we can embody this compassion, grace, and mercy in our own flesh. God believes in you. I think when my mom left this book on my bed during that tough time our family was having, I don't know if it was conscious or unconscious, but I think that she maybe knew she couldn't be everything for me as a parent. And I think she was reminding me that our divine parent can be. Because God will hold you in compassion, love, mercy, and grace beyond measure. Receive this blessing of belief and confidence and love. When you have a task to do, but you don't think you can follow through, let go of fear and know it's true that God believes in you. If one you love has gone away, forever or for just a day, you're not alone. Don't be afraid, because God believes in you.
if you run into someone mean, and they should bruise your self-esteem. It doesn't really mean a thing when God believes in you. When you don't know what choice to make or which path is best to take, just breathe in deep and take a break. Let God believe in you. If life is getting kind of rough, and you aren't feeling very tough, when you don't think you're good enough, let God believe in you. If you think you failed the test and just can't keep up with the rest, someone knows you're the best because God believes in you. If you forget the golden rule or misbehave while you're at school, Apologize and know it's true. God still believes in you. When life is feeling quite unfair and it seems more than you can bear, remember, someone's always there because God believes in you. If sometimes you don't have a clue and wonder just what you should do, your inner voice is always true because God believes in you. If someone really needs a friend, if there are fences that you can mend, you'll find the blessings in the end, because God believes in you. If you can give a friend advice or help a neighbor once or twice, it's really not a sacrifice when God believes in you. If you're tempted to do wrong or go somewhere you don't belong, walk away. Don't go along. Let God believe in you. When you've created quite a mess and you're feeling in distress, it doesn't make you any less since God believes in you. If you're reaching for the stars, and just can't seem to stretch that far, it doesn't matter where you are. God still believes in you. So don't forget to do your part. Do your best to make your mark and believe in God with all your heart because God believes in you. Thanks be to God.